Dimelan Avusheni and hello hi Mzanzi. Welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a No Holds Barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthful Mzanzi. I'm your host, Nolutandun Nakani, and I'm here to hold your hand as you seek the answers to those pussy bumps and suspicious lumps you dare not speak of in public. It's Men's Health Month and one thing that always pops in my mind is why men hardly ever visit the doctor. You know, I once saw my own father rear-end a man after he sneezed. He could barely breathe. He was so sick but absolutely insisted on going to work that day. A little reading on Google and I found that men are less likely to go to the doctor for health reasons because it is just not something that they do. And just so you know that I ain't capping, an East London friend in crisis sent us this voice note. I had a devastating encounter with my uncle yesterday. I saw him a couple of months ago. He's almost 80 and is diabetic. He had a bad abscess on his toe he went to casualty for. Two months later, I keep begging him to go back. He's refused. That alarmed me. I went to see him and it was horrific. I've tried to pinpoint in society where men are getting the idea that not seeking medical treatment is okay. When we're kids, our parents take us to the doctor. If you're injured in a car crash, men are taken by the ambulance to the hospital. If you break a bone, you obviously go to the hospital. I don't understand where the message to men is coming from that not seeking treatment is somehow manly. Please help. Oh, don't worry, my baby, don't worry, my baby. Karen Giselle from the Men's Health Foundation unpacks the barriers that men in South Africa experience when it comes to accessing health care. The Men's Foundation was established in 2015 and is the only South African charity that tackles issues of men's health. Karen, what, in your opinion, are some of the barriers to men's access to health care? One of the things that we struggle with as men is having to firstly challenge if we're not in a position of strength. We define ourselves by being strong. What society expects of us is to be strong. We don't ever want to question our vulnerability or our mortality. And it's easier for us to ignore an issue and hope it's going to go away because we don't want to have to consider whether it's because of our role within family and society that we cannot think about If we're not there, we're responsible for fulfilling a role. We're the breadwinner role. We don't want to question our mortality, which is one of the biggest challenges we have as men. Questioning and and identifying that vulnerability, if there is something that's wrong, having to seek help, we see vulnerability as a sign of weakness as, as opposed to a sign of strength. And again, it reinforces that head in the sand approach that men have towards their health issues. This is what we see where we start to see the risk-taking behaviors that come in with men. Not only not going to go and see a doctor, but then what do we do to counter having to acknowledge we've got to take action? Men start to resort to relying on alcohol or drugs. We know that once we start to bring those types of dependencies in, it starts to lead to other types of challenges. Lower inhibitions with alcohol, the risk-taking behaviors that come with alcohol, with consuming alcohol, the higher road fatalities that we have with men driving drunk. Men's belief that they define themselves by 
the number of sexual partners that they have for them to be seen as strong and to be admired amongst their peers. That starts to lead to the increase in HIV, AIDS and STDs. So collectively as men, we need to start addressing our health-seeking behaviors in terms of acknowledging ourselves and the role that we play within not only our communities, but society as a large, but likewise, we need society to allow men to start undergoing this emotional evolution to address these challenges that we've had. As you must know, as being a sister, as part of the democratic revolution that we witnessed within our country prior to 1994, and we hail women, we praise women, you know, we've got National Women's Day on the 9th of August every year in August. It's not just about women's health, it's about us ensuring gender equality because we've lived in a gender unequal society. And as women have been fighting against oppression pre-1994, we as men weren't evolving. We were still busy stuck in the struggle, primarily dealing with the oppression. On the one hand, we had young boys that were given a uniform and a weapon and told to oppress. On the other side, oppressed were fighting against that with resistance. So it led to a very violent society that we're witnessing today and a lot of men suffering with post-traumatic stress. And part of that post-traumatic stress is that they've not been positive role models to the younger generation of boys. So the conversations that have been needed to have about self-care and self-awareness did not take place. It's always been about dealing with migrant work, dealing with all these other challenges, why we see the challenges we're facing today. And men being challenged in that space, in a very becoming what's, you know, even though there's massive steps towards becoming a gender equal society, Men haven't been able to redefine themselves in terms of what their purpose and what their positions are. In the workplace, they're not necessarily all in the positions of power anymore. They're not in the profile positions. And men often define who they are by their positions, by their possessions, or who they seem to be within society. And certainly with what's happened with the pandemic and the lockdowns, men have removed those stigmas and have seen the massive increase that we've seen in suicides in the country. Because now we cannot go back to depending on all of these external factors that we were relying on for us to define who we were. The job positions were necessarily there because of retrenchments. I mean, the cost of living being up. And also with the fact that in the gender strict roles that we witnessed within the households, women were more empowered. And moms were now being more part of the environment of gender roles of who was the breadwinner and who was going to stay home and look after the kids. It struck at the core of who we are as men, because we started to believe that we were less men if women were more empowered. And the problem we've had in society today is that masculinity as a whole has been looked at as the evil twin, rather than toxic masculinity, which is what we need to address. We still need to grow men with positive masculinity, acknowledging that it's good to be strength, but how do we use our strength? Does that strength mean we need to be aggressive? No, it doesn't. Strength means that we need to be strong in ourselves to when, like one of your readers or somebody written in, saying, okay, there's something that's wrong, let me go and get it sorted out. Because my role and to honor myself is to look after myself and be the best man that I can be for the people around me. What are some very basic health screenings that men can even do at home since they're so hesitant about visiting a doctor? One of the most important things we talk about is knowing your numbers. You need to know your family history. If you've got a history of uh, high blood pressure, heart disease, what is your family history? And I think a lot of the challenges we have with single parent households, a lot of boys don't know what their family history is, but it's important to get as much information as we can. When it comes to male health in particular, 
testicular cancer being the younger man's disease from the age of 14 to 40 was the highest age I've heard of, of a man with testicular cancer. It's self-examination, very much like for breast cancer. It's a once a month examination to feel for any lumps or any, any painful areas. So for men, it's about doing that examination in the shower with warm water. If there's any gross or anything that's sensitive, it's obviously then seek and go for necessary attention and seek help for testicular cancer. Testicular cancer cases have doubled over the past 10 years, so we started to see a lot more of it. So there's a need for us to have a focus and a shift on that. Prostate cancer, which is slightly older for men. So from the age of 40, it used to be 45, we say now from the age of 40, we should go for once a year annual checkup. There is the finger test, which is a rectal exam, given where the prostate is located, which a lot of men avoid because of that situation, because of it being uncomfortable. But I always relate it back to women and to sisters. And I think about how intrusive it must be for a woman to have to go to a gynecologist. It's part of what women do, and they have to do it. We as men, we have to do this. As much as what we perceive that to be, and yes, I've had to go for it as well. And it's uncomfortable and it's not nice, but it's something we have to do. The other thing is the PSA test, the prostate antigen test, which is a blood test which determines your prostate prostate antigen levels in your bloodstream. It's normally a precursor to identify as something is untoward. A lot of the times with the conversations that I'm having with men today, it's often because they've undergone that test, the annual checkup with a blood test, which has highlighted that there's something untoward. Otherwise, they wouldn't have even thought to go and have a test done. In some instances, that's actually saved some men's lives. On the other side of the scale, again, it could lead to overdiagnosis, but this is why it's important to start developing these other tests to whether there is more need for us to take action. But what we need to do, and as we and in South Africa with the new amended, firstly, the prostate cancer policy, the National Department's first prostate cancer policy, which is currently being investigated for cost implementation nationally. Once that gets implemented, it's going to be easier for us to make sure that there's a standard across the board in public hospitals, but also there's certain clinics that's available, particularly in the Western Cape. There's the men's clinic that's located at at Colbrimmer Hospital where you can go and get your PSA testing done within the government environment. And certainly there's a shift for us to get to that point as well. So the focus has really been there now. The national prostate cancer policy is coming into effect and also the national health strategy, national men's health strategy which is addressing all the key health issues surrounding HIV, AIDS, uh, depression, suicide, prostate and testicular cancer. That's all part of their mental health included in there. And that strategy was formalized in December of 2020. So we're going to start seeing this coming through the public health care system. And the challenge being that over 80% of our population, depending on our public health care system, this is where we see most of the challenges that we're facing today because the access to treatment for men is part of the problem. And research that we've done last year, it's showing that there's a 147% increase in prostate cancer. Breast cancer was one of the most prevailing cancers. Prostate cancer is going to surpass breast cancer by 2023 as the most prevailing cancer in South Africa. Now, there's a lot of influencing factors which we need to understand and unpack, but certainly we're going to start hearing it a lot more often that prostate cancer is a reason or something that we need to address in this country. And certainly what we know from the research that was conducted that the cost of treating cancer through the different stages, it's cost almost double to treat prostate cancer in stage four than what it does in stage one. So the message of early detection is key. Again, the conversation about having to go for that annual checkup and making sure that you get those tested. So to answer your question, know your numbers, going for an annual checkup and to take action when something is untoward. You know, like with women, we're told that, you know, you need to go to the gynae and the moment you start having sex and things like that. So this would usually be around 18, 19, 20. 
do we have a specific age for men to actually also be instructed to go and get their checkups and stuff? They like to think that prostate cancer especially is an old man's disease, but testicular cancer is the very big one, I feel. I think this speaks to the fact that, you know, we know that there's a cervical cancer immunization that's happening at schools. You know, so those conversations are happening with girls already at that age. Those conversations aren't happening with boys. And I think it's also because boys, certainly from a sexual active position, you know, from men being active sexually from an early age, it's not seen as something that you should go be more aware and should, I think, from a sexual reproductive health perspective, that boys being aware of using condoms and the reasons why from an SDI and HIV and AIDS perspective. But that conversation does need to come into that as well to say from a testicular cancer perspective, this is the sign, this is the symptoms, and this is the reason for boys to start being more accountable to themselves as well. So I do think that that needs to be brought into that curriculum as much as what it's come into female reproductive healthcare and to girls' reproductive healthcare that needs to come into boys' reproductive healthcare, which I'm trusting will start to happen now that the strategy has been finalized. And then our last question then is the big mental health one. So, you know, Karen, can you tell us why mental health for men should matter to everybody? You know, besides the conversation we've had today about the impact of seven-year lower life expectancy, of suicide being one of the leading causes of men's deaths in South Africa, it's something that the figures are staggering. We're losing one man every 80 minutes in South Africa. Globally, it's one man every minute. So one man every 80 minutes in South Africa, it's a phenomenal figure. You know, on average 17, four out of every five suicides in the country are men. The need for us to address men's mental health through the lens of a male to start the conversation, to bring about these programs that are going to providing men with these solutions to get the necessary help, to get diagnosis and treatment is part of the challenge. And to create the environment for men where they can start to engage and feel comfortable and acknowledge when they can start to seek the necessary help. And I've witnessed this within the groups that I've, that I've been a part of and chaired, where one man starts to open up and share if he's seeking help, it removes the stigma and other men start to feel more comfortable to say, well, I'm also seeking help. And then they feel more reassured about the fact that they're not dealing with this in isolation and the whole underlying message of that it's okay to not be okay. So the stigma with mental health is exactly what the problem that we have. Unfortunately, we reinforce it in our language, you know, with our behaviors. When we talk about someone as just being mad or that person's being schizophrenic or, you know, we don't realize the power of our language. Even when we start to talk about suicide, we commit suicide as in committing a crime. There's still a lot of religious beliefs around it, rather than using expressions like taking your own life. So the media and society have started to shift in looking at our language, and we started to we need to address the stigma that's associated with mental health and depression, so that we can create more of an environment where men feel more comfortable to not suffer in silence. And I witnessed this as well with a lot of the engagements that we've done on national television or radio is that when men phone in, they want to remain anonymous. They don't want to express that they've been in a position where they've attempted suicide or considered suicide. So it's because of the shame that's associated with it. It's because I'm supposed to be strong. I'm not supposed to be weak, not only physically, but emotionally or mentally. I cannot, I, you know, that's an expectation of me that we don't concede that we need help. So it starts with a conversation. It starts with getting them to acknowledge that it's okay, it's not be okay. And by that, realizing that it's normal, that if you're undergoing some challenges and to seek the necessary help, it's available. So you don't have to become a statistic. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Garen. 
For more on men's health, check out healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical bind and looking for a shoulder to cry on, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. Alternatively, you can hit us up on WhatsApp on 076-132-0454. I would never blue tick you babes. Buffet too. Let me tell you this. Men are just as susceptible to the same things such as cancer, depression, stroke, diabetes, and heart diseases. Like Garen said, early detection and preventative measures are key to your health. That brings us to the end of episode 47 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. From me, Lulu Nakani, have a great week. And remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.